Welcome to Red Eye, a conversation series where V and I sit down and have the type of conversation you would have on a red eye flight late at night when the world is asleep. All sorts of thoughts can pop into your mind, and we keep things thoughtful and entertaining as we discuss these ideas. Today, we are starting with the NBA playoffs, and then we got a couple global topics after that. But, uh, you know, last week we did the little preview V. We saw some of the play in games. And since then, I got I to gotta say, I want to start with the Kings and the Warriors series. Because this was the one I, you've been calling this now for for a few months. You were like, "The Kings are good this year. The Kings are good this year," and they're like really good this year, man. Like, what did you think? I mean, obviously, two games. Like, you know, we still haven't seen Steph like really be Steph at the end of the game yet. So, you know, you can't really count out Golden State ever. But I'm impressed with the way the Kings are closing these games out, man. Yeah, I mean, the truth is, you don't get to watch. When we haven't gotten the chance to watch a lot of Sacramento Kings, even if you do kind of follow the NBA, they're not frequently on TNT or ESPN, but they've quietly been building all year. And there's, they're not the three seed in the West uh, by accident at all. Like De'Aaron Fox really is an underrated MVP candidate this year, just in the sense that if you look at the clutch ratings, and I, it's crazy, I, I was going to pull this up. Is and I saw this watching the game last year. It's like he's head and shoulders above every single player in the NBA in terms of clutch rating. He has 194 points in the clutch, that's ranked first. 72 field goals made in the clutch, ranked first. 53% field goals in the clutch, ranked first. 88 paint, 88 paint points in the clutch, ranked first. Usage wow. rate, 43%, ranked first. 547 total points in the fourth quarter. Wow. So he's just crushing it. And it's like, you've seen this guy. We knew in college how special this kid could be, but he's really developed. And you got to give a lot of applause to Mike Brown, taking his experience with the Cavs and with the Warriors and the Spurs, three legitimate organizations and applying that to this team and also the team owner for finally getting out of the way and understanding that he doesn't know basketball that well and letting the folks <laughs> letting the folks who run the basketball run the basketball and let him just take pictures with all the celebrities with his little weird finger thing <laughs> <laughs> and that's like that's the way to be as a team owner man like let the people who are good at good at doing what they need to do do it now um the way that this series is shaping up uh how do you think you know first of all how do you think golden state will respond uh, but second of all both of these i believe were home games for the kings so we are going back to um I forget what they call it, like the Golden One Arena or whatever, the the new Golden State Arena. Do you think this is going to turn into a 2-2 series or do you think that um, they're going to be able to split while they're away? Well, that's the th reason I'm not reading into this too much. I mean, when you look at this, the game, it looks like the Kings are the deeper 
stronger, more physical team overall. And the way that they're able to throw multiple defenders at, at Steph Curry, you saw the frustrations at the end of the game last night. He's throwing up air balls, throwing up bad shots. Yeah, He was definitely frustrated. He had a good game. Um, but I think, you know, the truth all season has been Golden State has been Jekyll and Hyde on the road versus at home. And so they have an opportunity here that's it's like night and day, but they're going to have to steal a game on the road in that raucous arena at some point this series. But I, I definitely think this thing is going seven. Um, and don't be surprised if if the Kings can steal one. This might go five if they can steal yeah. one of these two games, um, because if you look at the front court, it's a huge mismatch that they have with Sabonis um, and their bigs versus Draymond and 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 Looney. They both got into foul trouble yesterday. Jordan Poole hasn't been the same player. That's a big issue right now. Yep, yep. Surprisingly, Andrew Wiggins has not missed a beat. He probably played the most efficient and best game of the Warriors last night, and they need Klay Thompson to step up. So. If not the Kings, the Kings are going to win this series and and probably make a run. If they can beat this team, they can make a run deep into these playoffs. Yeah, absolutely agree with you on that. And I think the 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 Kings Warriors series it's it's one that I think um, I can't put too much weight in the Kings having a two zero lead right now because yeah. the Warriors are the Warriors. But to your point, watching the way that they're defending Curry, especially down the stretch, I think there's two things that the Kings have that um, that have really developed well in their young guys. And one is their athleticism on defense. At the end of the fourth, the way that they're swarming, the way that they're moving around the court, I've never seen a team so effectively counter the the rapid ball movement of Golden State and you know the brilliance that Steph Curry brings to the court every single time. And the only way to do that is to be more athletic than them. Mm -hmm. And I think the Kings are more athletic than Golden State. So that has really been interesting to watch because I've never seen a team in such an organized fashion on defense really, really stop up Steph in the way that they have, you know, and it's, it's not like he's ineffective, but he's limited just enough to help the Kings to win. Yeah, and again, this is a reflection on on the progress that Mike Brown has made a coach from when as a coach when he was in Cleveland. He's always been a brilliant defensive coach, absolutely brilliant defensive coach. All those years at Golden State, he definitely understands how that offense works, the personalities there, and he's developed a game plan uh, to beat this team. And that's the scariest part of this is not just the players, but they're they're facing the one coach um, who has a defensive mind to really, really stop them. And also the, the knowledge of how the team operates and how that offense operates from being there for so long. It's going to be interesting to see the adjustments that Steve Kerr makes. He's obviously still a brilliant coach in his own right. But this is the series to watch, you know. Um, so far in the first round. Um, but there are other series that are good, um, good as well. And I think the series that we know are probably going to end quickly are Sixers, uh, Nets. Uh, now that Tyler Hero is out, Bucks, yep. so long as Giannis is healthy, Bucks and Bucks and um, Heat is probably going to end quickly. Uh, Nuggets, Timberwolves is probably going to end quickly. Uh, Celtics, Hawks is probably going to end quickly. Um, but you take those four series out of here, 
we've got a competitive first round NBA playoffs when you look at Lakers Grizzlies. Lakers stole game one. Clippers Bro, and the and the way they stole game one, bro. Yeah. The way they stole it with John now having the hand injury. It was it was demoralizing for Memphis the way that played out. Yeah, I mean if they keep getting performances like this from Reeves and Hachimura, then it's gonna be hard. <laughs> yeah, dude, if, if Hachimura and Reeves continue to drop twenty every game, like LeBron is gonna be the luckiest man on this planet. Cause he did not he you heard him say the commentary about, oh, I knew Austin Reeves was gonna be a player that fit my game. Like, no, you didn't, bro. No. <laughs> you wanted no, you didn't. wanted Kyrie Irving so badly and did not want D'Angelo Russell. It's like And oh, like surprise, surprise, like maybe the way you didn't think it was gonna work is actually better. And like to your point, watching D on the court is insane because he can we all know he can get get heated in a hurry if he wants to start scoring. Plus, he's an incredible facilitator of the ball. And he's also not a ball dominant guard, which is really, really unique. Like a Kyrie would be far more ball dominant, but D'Lo brings incredible three point shooting ability. Now you have Reeves who can shoot, D'Lo who can shoot, and Schroeder who can shoot. And Beasley. All, and yeah, exactly. All along the perimeter, this is a very different team than it was even six months ago. And that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's the benefit of being the Lakers and having unlimited resources and money to make moves <laughs> and players wanting to come there. Right. So uh, definitely interesting. That series is going to be very interesting. Um, we'll see how Memphis adjusts. They obviously have been a great team, but if Morant's out or hobbled, it's going to be challenging, you know, for them yeah. uh, to come back in that series. Um, the other series that's very compelling, despite Paul George being out is Clippers. Um, Clippers Suns, you're seeing like the real true superstar heavyweight battle between Kawhi and Durant in that series. And then you're also seeing a renewed energy from Russell Westbrook. Like I saw um, he had, he guarded Kevin Durant, Chris Paul and Devin Booker in 56 possessions um, in, in game one, they taught, they scored a total of six points. Wow. Um, When he was guarding them? When he was guarding them. So all the knocks that people have been making on Russell Westbrook, he's always been a high-level defender as well. I just feel like a lot of the information or hate toward him comes when when you focus on his offensive game and his shooting. He's not a great shooter. He did not shoot well, but he was the most impactful player in that game outside of Kawhi Leonard on the outcome of the game. In addition to that, he just, unfortunately, with Paul George being out, he's got to shoot more shots. But if they're when they when if they're able to get to this series to a point where Paul George is able to come back, they truly are a championship contender because who can compete defensively and offensively with a front court of Paul George, R- Russell Westbrook, and Kawhi Leonard? They're going to be a defensive menace. And then if Kawhi just is the Kawhi we always see in the playoffs, like he showed in game one, they're going to be a really, really difficult out because they're really deep too. Everyone kind of wrote them off once Paul George was out of the series, but they're up 1-0 now. Um, Yeah. And we'll see how, we'll see how that series plays out as well. Um, The other compelling series is the, the, the Cavs and the Knicks, you know, Brunson is looking like an unstoppable player, you know? And, 
I'm sure uh, I'm sure our boy Lucas shedding some tears somewhere in Dallas. Like we could have kept this guy for 70 million over four years. What the <laughs> hell were we thinking? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. And I think like the nice thing about both these four or five seed series is that I think on the East, like we were talking about Cleveland at the beginning of the year after that Donovan Mitchell trade, because obviously we love D Mitch and we love seeing Cleveland be good again. Yep. Um, it's an exciting team. Uh, the the curious one has been the injury of Colin Sexton, who's a huge impact maker for Cleveland on the defensive side. Um, so I'm hoping that we see him back in action, you know, in this playoffs. Um, but to your point, like watching the first game, I was really impressed with the way that New York played. I don't think either of these teams is going to beat Milwaukee. So in a sense, like, I kind of don't care how this series goes for Cleveland and New York, but um, I do think both teams are above expectations to what I, what I thought. I just don't think like, you, you know, we talked about this earlier, like once you get beyond Philly in the East, like we're talking a different tier of team. And then you go over to the West, your eight seeds, Minnesota, like that's probably yeah. pretty comparable to Cleveland and New York, you know? Yeah. And just real quick, I know we both wish Colin Sexton was still on the team, but he's in Utah. I think, Oh my gosh, about, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> we're talking that, about I'm so tripping on that. <laughs> I do wish he was on the team though. <laughs> I think I'm not sure. I think you might be He is injured though. That's how I was reading about his injury because yeah. it's like it's like a weird injury that they're like not sure why he's yeah. off the court. Yeah. That that will get figured out, but what's showing in that series is these front court players, uh Mobley, Mobley and um and and, and the other Allen the bigs got to show up. They got outplayed, out hustled in game one. Donovan Mitchell is the only guy that showed up. Darius Garland has to be more aggressive on the offensive side of the ball to give Donovan Mitchell that support. Or the Knicks are going to win this series. And and the Cleveland's got to, you know, everyone's hype about the, we're finally getting together. This is the post LeBron Cleveland team. We're building our own ad- identity. Blah, 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 blah. But if you get knocked out in the first round by the New York Knicks, then all that is for naught. So, yeah, to, yeah, they definitely got to get it together, figure what's going on out and 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 play a much better series. Um, but so two two questions for you, V, on on the Phoenix Clippers series and on the Grizzlies Lakers series, if Phoenix loses one first question is. How much do you think that's going to impact the way people talk about Kevin Durant? And then same question with Memphis and Ja. Well, if you look at this Phoenix team, like, and you actually analyze and take away like the, 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 the clickbait storyline of like, oh, this is going to be Kevin Durant's fault. If you look at the Suns team, they are pencil thin. They have no depth whatsoever. It seems like Chris Paul is declining a bit, and Devin Booker, um, although has played well, needs to be a killer, right? Because, and then Aiton, Aiton needs to show up. Like they're really relying on these big four to carry them, and that's very scary when you're looking in the West and you see the depth, even of the Clippers that they're facing. Most of these teams are going ten deep of 10 talented the Clippers have Norman Powell off the bench. They've got Eric Gordon off the bench. They've got yeah. Man off the bench. They've got, you know, Zubek. They have a deep deep team. 
So the biggest question you have for this Phoenix team is a stamina issue. Durant's been out quite a bit, and the heavy minutes these guys are going to have to play. And if if Chris Paul is on the start of the decline, that's going to be a real challenge because he's got to give them he, he not just the assists and the rebounds, but he's got to give them twenty a night for this to work. Yeah, yeah, that that's right. I think um, I think Phoenix definitely is is incredibly thin. But in LA without Paul George, I think you can make you can make a similar argument in terms of yeah, they have the depth, but it kind of seems like Kawhi's just you know running the show here. And and in addition to that, obviously Ty Lue's an incredible coach. He's built a great culture down at the Clippers program. There is there it, there seems to be a greater sense of unity in the Clippers organization than Phoenix. And and you mentioned it with Russell Westbrook earlier. He has probably the craziest chip on his shoulder I've seen in a while right yeah. now. And it's good to see. Yeah, it's it's an exciting this was the most we knew this was going to be the most compelling series. And I think everybody wrote off the Clippers when Paul George got hurt. But we haven't really analyzed this Phoenix team. They've played like three games total together before the playoffs. So there's a chemistry issue, there's a depth issue there. Um so it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out, but being down one oh is not is not in their favor, you know. So yeah, we'll absolutely. We'll see how that. And it, yeah, it's an exciting, it's an exciting year, an exciting playoffs. Obviously, with um, with so many things building uh, already. But um, I wanted to also ask you on the playoffs. I could have sworn I remembered it being like one two two two, meaning like one home game, then two away, two home, two away. Uh, when did it change? to two 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 one because i thought it, there was like a flip between like the earlier rounds of the playoffs but then in the finals they do that they do a different it. format they do it i mean i think it's to reduce the tra- the, the travel burden mm. but um from my understanding so it is uh, I'm, I'm surprised by this so i'm not even sure so it is it is two two um it's 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 two two one 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 is that the new format? How's it? What is the actual? Format? I think it's definitely two two one 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 in the finals. Um, let's see. Both conferences conduct the playoffs with a best of seven series. Series are played in the two two one 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 format. Uh, team with home court adva- uh, advantage hosts games one, two, five, and seven. So I guess every game is like that, but I for some reason I thought the finals was a one, two, two, two or something like that at some point at least in the last few years. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little thrown off. I'm not sure. We'll probably have to look that one up and dig deeper. But I think it's two, two, one, one, one still. But maybe it changes in the finals. I'm not sure. Yeah, hundred percent. It looks like the finals used to be a two, three, two format so yeah. it changed in uh 2014 that's where my confusion is coming up yeah. but it looks like for everyone wondering it's two two one 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 for every everything playoffs and finals okay yeah that's that's which is interesting it is the right format though it's the yeah. i think it's the most even way to do it yep and did you see the um this uh draymond um and Sabonis kind of getting into it, and it looks like Draymond like kicked him or stepped on him. Did you see that? Yeah, I mean, look, this, 
And you can love or hate Draymond. I personally think that a lot of his antics are don't belong in the NBA. Um, you know, and you don't you don't get the benefit of the doubt when you have a history of doing certain things. And the problem that I have with this is that what Sabonis did was dead wrong too. Like you can't just grab a player's leg. And it's almost like once you grab a player's leg, like it's that whole strict liability, whatever happens to you. He was trying to injure Draymond Green. And yeah. Draymond responded in kind by stepping on him, which isn't right either. But I didn't think that it was the right thing to throw one player out um, and and leave the other, not call a flagrant on one side and not call a flagrant. I don't know how that wouldn't qualify as a flagrant foul. He made no attempt at the ball. He got a technical, but he should have gotten a flagrant too. Um, and that's what throws me off about this is it's like that whole idea of two wrongs don't make a right. It's like everybody's going to jump on Draymond here because what he did is clearly wrong. You don't just put, jump full force with your 270-pound frame onto a guy's chest. That's not that's not what meant to happen on a basketball court or any field for that matter. But on the flip <laughs> side, Sabonis had no business doing what he did either to initiate that reaction. Yeah. I think that's interesting um, as well. I'm actually for our for our um, podcast listeners, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna see this, but but we'll describe it. V, I wanted to actually just show you the video because I saw this um, I saw this like breakdown online and they were basically just like saying that hey actually like he didn't he didn't actually grab Draymond's ankle he was actually like um protecting his face and um there is let's see if I can get the video to show um there is a video which I'm not able to get to show but I'll put it in the show notes for this uh podcast um, there is a video that I have pulled up here that shows Sabonis actually not grabbing his ankle, but his arms kind of reflexively going to protect his face. And I thought that was pretty interesting in the replay. So it is possible that I like my view on this whole thing. Like how, how many times have we been in a situation where we lose balance and you like kind of throw your other leg down as well? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not sure if Draymond was really trying to stomp on this dude. I'm not sure if he was actually trying to grab Draymond's legs. You know, maybe Draymond reacted to his arms wrapping <laughs> his leg, but the way that it looked, it looked like he was trying to cover his face and not grab the ankle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, but there's a, and Draymond pointed this out. This is the second time Sabonis has done this in a game. Yeah. He did it in game one as well. And I think, the truth about Sabonis is he he has he's a, a crafty guy too. Him and got Draymond, history of it. him and Draymond are very similar in the sense that they compensate for some of their lack of athletic ability by doing like little tricky, shady stuff throughout a game. But it's still, I mean, I, I think that Draymond, you could see that he did the, he the stomp didn't need to be that that. Well, he Drastic. he did it. He did it drastically and intentionally, and he thought he was going to get away with it because it, it was going to look like he just was trying to get his balance Slip. right. Yeah. And so he, he, here's the other question, right? Echoes of 2016, 17, right? Yeah. Um, if Draymond 
gets kicked out of this next game because of this. Are the Warriors just done? That would be 3-0. That would be 3-0. You know what I'm saying? If, if, if Draymond is out of this game, I just don't see the Warriors winning. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's the exact same thing. He has to stay out of foul trouble. Um, and he's got to, he's got to, um, got to keep his head together. And he's also got to really be the facilitator of this offense as he's, he's been, I mean, uh, the, the, the issues have been out there for a while now that, you know, with Draymond knowing this is probably going to be his last year in Golden State, making sure that doesn't translate to the effort on the court. Yeah. But on, on that note, do you think that the league will pursue um, kicking Draymond out of this next game. Has he crossed like any sort of flagrant? I don't threshold? think so. I haven't I, seen I, that. I don't think so. He fouled out of the game. He got a flagrant foul. He'll probably get fined. But if the league punishes him, they're going to have to punish Sabonis too, um, mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Um, we'll see. I don't think they'll do it because it's the playoffs. But you know, Draymond has to keep his cool. That's his biggest issue. Um, Great competitor, great player, um, little dirty, um, and then you know he knows how to ruffle feathers. Even how he handled it after you know egging the crowd on, wanting to fight some guy in the stands, like that's part of what Draymond's shtick is. And you know, love it, hate it, he doesn't give a damn. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight up. <laughs> so. Um... Moving on from uh, the NBA playoffs, we uh, were texting earlier um, this weekend about uh, about China and this narrative that has been building in the media. And I think we've discussed in previous weeks about um, global reserve currency status for the dollar and the potential threat looming of losing that status. And the, the kind of primary narrative that I have seen in the media is that um, the threat to this is Russia and China, which I think is a pretty commonly held view. And all this was precipitated when they stopped using the dollar in their trade just recently um, and made some moves to make it seem like they wanted to uh, push the dollar out of reserve status. And I saw this TikTok that I sent to UV that was somebody explaining why, and it was somebody of Chinese origin explaining why they felt that China did not want to be the global reserve currency. Yeah. And it was an interesting argument because his view was that there is a level of wealth in China that is far beyond anywhere else in the world. And I think most people I I I talk to and and myself I think would believe that this is accurate that there is wealth in China that far surpasses any sort of measured wealth that you hear about in Forbes or from Elon or whatever. And the thing is, when you have a communist government or socialist government, that wealth is really closely tied to the state. State wants power over that wealth. And so you have these oligarchs that end up building huge amounts of money and power. But the only way the country can fall is if the oligarchs leave the country and take the resources with them. Mm -hmm. And that was the argument against uh, China wanting to have global reserve currency status is that um, they have strict limitations on how much of the Chinese yuan can be transferred out of their currency each year by these folks. And so if 
the yuan was the basis of trade everywhere else in the world, then these um, you know incredibly incredibly wealthy folks that are huge pillars of the Chinese economy would uh, be able to use their dollars elsewhere in the world however they would want to, and it could lead to the collapse of China as an economy. And that was the counterpoint, which you know I just found fascinating, and I sent over. But uh, what was your what was your view on that after kind of getting that perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think overall, like we live in a society that loves to stoke the flames of fear, and the the latest fear is that the American banking system is about to collapse. The dollar is no longer the reserve currency; is no longer going to be the global reserve currency. Let me tell you something. We got <laughs> as long if if that really becomes a threat, we're going to see a world war, and 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 this is just the harsh reality of how economics and power work. The reason that the United States is the leading global superpower is twofold: one, geographically, we're the most insulated nation. Secondly, we have a a a credit system that allows growth and development. And finally, we have bigger guns and more guns and more weapons than anybody else in the world. Um, and therefore, at the end of the day, the only threats to that really are China and Russia, because they they have the military force to be able to meet the US. But even China's military isn't as developed as the United States. They have the manpower. Um, but then the other side of it is very true. It's like it shows a very, again, shows a lack of understanding of how global economies work and that everyone's priorities are not the same as the United States. China's primary issue is how do we create a sustainable economy for our population of people on this entire giant landmass so that everybody can have a job, everyone can contribute to society. and we can output. That's why you export as much to be bought by foreign companies and foreign people so that money can come back in. That is their system of government. Their system of government is not to spread their seed across the world. And you see it too. Like You saw most recently with Alibaba. It doesn't matter how rich you get as a Chinese person, the government can destroy your business destroy everything you've built and take it all away if they want to. Yeah. And so yeah. I don't I don't I don't believe that it's going to happen. China I think this is more Russian last point is I think this is more Russian propaganda and them wanting to to do that. Um uh, but I don't think China has any desire to be the global reserve currency. Yeah, I think that's a really good take. I don't think China wants that either. I think that it would if if it were to change, the only place it would reasonably go as Europe, and Europe is a mess economically. So it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. China's currency also to, uh, the thing that for whatever reason people don't talk about is it's not fixed to anything. There's a lot of suspect behavior with the value of that currency relative to the value of others. Uh, the government's not transparent about the way their economy works, what those numbers are, and what the real value of the currency is. They just fix it and. As a result of that, I think it also is is weak as an option for the global reserve currency. And I don't know if anybody in this world wants a world, including everyone in China, where yuan is the only currency that people use. I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. And you also have to understand, like, 
most people who really look into China know how much they manipulate their own currency and manipulate. That would change if they the the amount of of oversight that would exist would change kind of the way that they operate anyways. So yeah, they they and, would like less attention, not more attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I had one one um thing I wanted to toss in V that we hadn't chatted about yet, but um this this came out yesterday, and I was looking into it this morning. Apple just announced that with their Apple Card, they they're also offering a savings account where um, it's not Apple actually doing it. It's a partnership with Goldman Sachs. But they're giving you a 4.15% annual interest rate on that money. And it's FDIC insured up to 250K, all the good stuff of a regular bank account. Um, But it's through a partnership with Goldman. And the comparison is that the interest rates from Chase, Bank of America, everyone else is 0.01%. So on the verge of really on the heels of you know the first banking collapse in a decade with Silicon Valley Bank, then the bailout. Um, I think a lot of people were concerned with seeing the bailout because, especially in the banking industry, because it's one of the riskiest models in the industry that was bailed out. So it's the government basically saying, there's a, there's a high amount of risk tolerance that we have for this industry that you're allowed to take. And that likely will result in riskier bank behavior. Um, at the same time, I think that there are a lot of individuals looking to get into investing in one way or another, but you've seen the shortcomings that come with Robinhood, that come with you know all these other platforms where somebody has control and can just say, if, uh, if the major head funds that back does are losing money, you can't make them lose any more money than they're losing. So there are, I think, like so many like interesting evolutions happening in personal wealth management to see a company like Apple, obviously there's there's a uh, from what I've read a higher credit limit for their card than most cards, and to qualify for this is not is not the easiest thing in the world. But having the Apple savings account is like one of the most interesting options that I've I've ever seen financially. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how stable that four point one eight percent interest rate is because in a high interest rate environment i think it's sustainable but when interest rates go down are they going to keep it at that number or is it going to is it fixed is this 4.18 percent i i saw this storyline as well and i think it's fascinating and it's a very smart play by apple uh considering um where they're at but i think again what i don't want this to do is for people to get like confused on what the banking industry is, it's not just about the banking industry in the United States really is there and exists for one reason and one reason only to be a debt facility and a credit facility for business owners and individuals to continue to take out debt and owe the banks and owe the government money and the bank be a middleman for that. Right. And so long as people can't pay cash for houses, they can't pay cash for their to start up their business. They can't pay cash for construction costs. I don't I personally and this is just my take on it, is that I don't think that our our banking industry fundamentally is is compromised or or threatened just because of the way our system works. It works based on allowing people to take debt, using that debt as a funnel for growth and as a funnel funnel for economic activity. Now, from an individual standpoint, we've seen this for quite a while now, like 
online only banks that offer higher interest rates, you know. So I think it is just like with most things, Apple, it's a well thought out and opportunistic play um, for them. And they have the cash reserves to be able to take this shot. Um, and it is interesting. Well, and, and just to know, it's not actually them. It's um, Goldman that's handling it all. Okay. So they're they're basically, it's just a partnership with Goldman. So your money that you put in the savings account is held at Goldman, not with Apple. Yeah. I mean, it's only going to stoke the flames of people believing that, uh, that uh, <laughs> Apple is a government plant company, right? <laughs> How the hell can they do this? <laughs> I To be honest with you, bro, like, I love it because um, I think that the Apple card is pretty interesting. The way that the savings account works is that right off the bat, like any of the rewards, the cash back you get on the Apple card, they put right into the savings account. Um, but to your point, you have to have the Apple credit card to get access to the savings account. So they've done the math and they've said, okay, based on the people who use our cards, we make X amount on interest. And the amount of interest we can give back on savings is actually going to keep us cash positive. So I think they know exactly what they're doing. I think this is the first time that I've seen a savings account that is like, you have to have a credit card to have the savings account. You have to have a debt instrument to be able to save. Whereas in the past, with any and currently with any other bank, you make your checking and savings account first and then apply for a card. With Apple, it's opposite. You apply for a card and then you apply and you, or then you get the savings account. So okay. they're pre-qualifying you based on basically like your ability to pay back debt. And then also like they have their math model, right? For how much they're making off their Apple card already, which is, you know, I use the Apple card heavily because I use Apple Pay a lot. That's kind of like become my primary credit card now. And I mean, it's just, it's easy, man. It's easy. It's a good card. And, uh, you know, having a savings account for you know, my rewards go into that's giving me 4% gives me some comfort because I think the decision making is like, I could sit here and, you know, put money into Robinhood and try and make trades and manage that. Or I could put it in this Apple one and get 4% yeah. and not even think about it. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Apple is a very smart company. They're trying to control as much as many of your transactions and of their consumers as possible. You get 3% back when you buy Apple products, I believe too, with the Apple credit card. Yep. Uh, I wonder what the data, you know, the data must be worth enough for the 4%. Yeah, that's what they're doing. And then they're also keeping everybody attached to that iPhone, right? Yeah. So that's the other part of it is like, it, it just, it's it's really creating a situation where you're fully dependent on them for multitude of things. If you become dependent on the Apple wallet, you're not going to go buy an Android phone as your next phone. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, dude, that's a great point. I mean, literally, like they are just making it like once you're in their ecosystem, you're in forever. Yeah, you can't you can't get out. You can't leave. You can't leave. No. And that's what they're doing. And it's smart. And honestly, at that 4.18% interest rate, I'm going to probably... Uh, later this week, uh, apply for their credit card and get the savings count and park yeah. some, park some cash in there for a little while <laughs> because <laughs> there's a, not a, very many other safe havens right now. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly, right, exactly. <laughs> there's not a lot of places you could put anything, but yeah. I mean, it's it's really definitely like nice. Um, it's a nice offering, I think, for the for the general consumer as well. And I hope I hope products like this yeah. can become more ubiquitous for people. And that's the really the way to evaluate things versus 
buying into like and worrying about the conspiracy behind why things are and Apple's becoming, you know, taking over. It's like as long as a value proposition makes sense for you and your individual lifestyle, then stop worrying about the macro picture, right? Like that's really it. It's like stop thinking, overthinking things and just accept it for what it is because the truth is your data isn't safe with anyone. Our, our data is being traded constantly with sign when you sign up for an email address, when you sign up when you get an iPhone, your data is compromised already. So just understand either you can adjust to the system as it exists and at least draw some benefit from your name, image, and likeness like these NIL athletes. Or you know <laughs> Exactly, though. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, that kind of brings us to the end of end of this uh, red eye episode. V, this is a fun one. It's we're getting back into our our chatty stride here, and it's getting warmer outside. So that always makes it more fun to record and just have every day happen <laughs> yeah. when the weather's nicer. Yeah, <laughs> you're not wearing coats everywhere and shivering at home. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, on that note, um, really excited to see how the rest of the playoffs shapes up. We got a couple more games. That Lakers game is tonight. By the time you guys are hearing this, a couple more games will have elapsed. Um, and we will likely be at the end of round one getting ready for round two. A couple teams may have decided their fate already. So um, exciting times in the basketball world. And, uh, you know, we'll be back next week to give you another update on that and just talk about whatever else is going on. Um, yeah. Yeah, so on that note, V. uh, Stay moving, be you, you is fly. Pilot boys out. Pilot boys, we get on up.